Hello, and welcome to Who Are You? It's a Babylon 5 watch cast by a couple of former strangers who are now friends who are continuing to get to know each other over one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Laura. And I'm Jafer. And today, Jafer has a game for us. Yeah, a new game. We were talking about, not that we're out of things to talk about and getting to know each other, but we're out of interesting things about ourselves <laughs> Very so, much so the who are you bit while a lot of fun has kind of run its course we feel mm-hmm. and when when i say that i mean i literally can't think of anything else to talk about so yeah i think we could argue that it outlived itself a few who are you episodes <laughs> back but that's fine that's why we make our guest hosts do it in these days to keep the bit alive but between us we've kind of ran that gamut we've talked about a lot of the big stuff in our lives and as people, but we haven't talked a lot about the small stuff. So Mm -hmm. the idea is when we do our season recap episodes, we do our the one segment where we're like, what is the one best guest star from this season and stuff? Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a variation of that aimed at each other. So we're each going to ask each other questions and then all the one themed. Uh, If you haven't heard that segment before, because you skip our season recap episodes, no shame. You'll you'll follow on quick. And uh, yeah, and then we'll answer ourselves. And we're just going to go through that process and get to know each other a little bit better on a smaller scale than we usually do. Yeah. So I'll start us off here, Laura. What is the one flavor of ice cream you could eat for the rest of your life? This is tough because there are so many wonderful flavors of ice cream, <laughs> right? And here in the Oklahoma area, and I think there's a few like parts of Texas and and Arkansas that have them too. We have Brahms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a like fast food chain, but it's a ice cream store. Okay. And the thing that about Brahms that they say they won't put any stores that are out of a day's drive from the dairy farm, Good like call. from the Brahms dairy farm. Yeah. So that everything is the freshest it could possibly be, right? So Brahms is some of the best ice cream around in Oklahoma. If I had to choose one flavor of ice cream that I would eat for the rest of my life, it would probably be Brahms's mint chocolate chip ice cream. I Definitely. love mint chocolate chip. Yeah. If I am getting a untrusted brand of ice cream for whatever reason, mm-hmm. or I'm stuck to generic choices, mint chocolate chip is always my go-to because yeah. even bad mint chocolate chip is good. Yeah, and then you can kind of tell yourself, like, okay, if this is their mint chocolate chip, I don't know if I want to try the rest of it, you know? Exactly. Well, what what flavor of ice cream would you eat for the rest of your life? I have been on a peaches and cream kick lately. Oh, interesting. But it's got to be high quality. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a couple dairies that have ice creams out in my area. Jenny's is probably the best if I had to pick one. Jenny's is great. They've got a strawberry that's fantastic as well. If I'm going with a fruit ice cream, it's definitely like I need the higher quality. You can tell so it's so different. It's so much better. But low key, Kroger Private Label has a Mexican hot chocolate ice cream right now. That is fire. It is fantastic. That sounds amazing. We don't have Kroger down here. We have like Kroger delivery and that's it. Yeah, they've they're national though. They're just about everywhere. They've mm-hmm. they're another name out is it Wigman's? Wegman's or something? I think that's 
That sounds like something I saw in Louisiana, but they're not in Oklahoma that I know about. All right. Oklahoma is one of like eight states I haven't been in. Yeah. So. (laughs) Someday we'll get you here. Yeah. (laughs) Probably just for this podcast, but. More than likely. It'll be a visit. It'll be fun. Yeah. No, that sounds great. I would totally eat the hell out of some Mexican hot chocolate ice cream. It is real good. Okay. So, Jafar, mine all have a theme to them. Yeah. The one questions. And that is. Looking for comfort and ease as I'm still stuck at home. Yes. <laughs> in this postpartum time. So I would like to know what is the one best comfort snack? I, in the last two or three months, have dramatically changed my opinion on this. Wow. Well, that's the other thing I wanted to say. These can all just be for right now. They don't have to be like your one opinion that holds true through all of time. I used to not give a shit about my snack food. Like if I'm eating a snack, it's because I want something quick and it was very Mm -hmm. much a matter of convenience. And so I'd just grab some like saltines or something, just like some crackers or beef jerky or whatever I had around. Right. Mm -hmm. Some M&Ms doesn't matter. But about and I'm going to say before I get to this. I have never been impressed by Cheez-Its in my life. They were convenient. (laughs) Yeah. But I tried the extra toasty Cheez-Its for the first time a couple of months ago, and it has been a revelation for me. (laughs) They are the perfect snack. I've seen extra toasty. Aldi has them as well. They have a variant that's like extra toasted. 100%. Like, you're like, oh, they're just extra toasted crack whatever right they're already crackers what's trust okay they've got a little bit of like burnt crisp to them but they don't taste char like it's perfect they're great extra toasted cheese it's number one snack hands down right now it's to the point where i have to i i need to slow down it's becoming (laughs) problematic I'm going to have to find some of those because the boys have been going hard on Cheez-Its lately. They've gotten like the white cheddar Cheez-It mm-hmm. and like the the different flavors and the puffed and the snapped and all the other things. But I haven't seen the extra toasted yet. So I'll have to get some of those. Give it a go. Let me know how it goes over with the boys. Okay. Okay. Uh, what's the one book you just keep going back and rereading, Laura? I mean, I think I've already said it on the podcast. The one book I go back and reread all the time, at least once a year, is Kurt Vonnegut's Breakfast of Champions. I Yeah, I think, I do think we've actually talked about that. Yeah, if I had to pick another one, because there are, there are other books out there mm-hmm. that I reread, just not as much as Breakfast of Champions. There's a, a young adult series... This by Tamara Pierce, and it's The Song of the Lioness. And I read it like when I was the the tween, you know, like 12, maybe 12 or 13. And it's one of those young adult series that you can still come back and read it as an adult. And it's not weird. (laughs) It's not totally weird. Yeah. It's one of those, you know, kind of like girl power stories that. Are more common now, but you know it was a little more novel back in the '90s, where it's like a a girl decides that she doesn't want to go join the convent or whatever and become a lady, and so she goes and becomes a knight by hiding her gender, 
and going to night school, basically. <laughs> Mulan style. I dig it. Yeah, yeah, Mulan style. Very good series. Four books. I've read them in book form. Sometimes I just get them from the library in audiobook form. It's just a story that never gets old for me. What about you? I think when you brought up Vonnegut, I mentioned The Name of the Wind. That's a book that I make a point of going back and rereading every couple of years. Author on that? Patrick Rothruss. Okay. It theoretically will be a TV show produced by Lin-Manuel Miranda at some point. Ooh, that'll be a good show. The main character is a musician, so it kind of fits. It's not a musical at all. It's magical fantasy school stuff. But uh, that's one I go back to a lot. It's got a very strong Mary Sue vibe, but also it's like told through unreliable narrator. So you never really know exactly how real the Mary Suing is. Okay. Which is my defense. It it is like, it is a dude who's boasting about himself, but it's the main character's (laughs) bard. So of course he's boasting about himself. You know, he introduces himself with this like ridiculous set of titles and accomplishments and stuff, you know, it's on the back jacket of the book. And it's just like, you never really trust him though. And so I think most of it's bullshit. And the like handful of things we found out, like how it actually happened, how he got the title is a lot more like happenstance or things he was around for. Not necessarily like, oh, I'm the king killer. I killed this dude, you know, this stuff. So Mm -hmm. I like it a lot. And it reads very melodically, like just it's it's not written in prose, but it might as well be. Okay. Uh, so that's when I go back to a ton. But I think I've already said all that on pod. So I'm going to pick a different book, uh, which is Catch-22. I know yeah. it's kind of a cliche favorite book. Is it? Okay. I've never I, don't, read... I don't know. It's one I read in high school. I don't know if everyone yeah. had to read it in high school or if I picked it out. But of every book that I've reread multiple times, it's one that I continually find something new that's hilarious in that I missed uh-huh. completely the first time. Well, what is, speaking of media, the one best binge show right now? What what could you binge right now? So I was just kind of like on a gap between shows for a couple of weeks because Ted Lasso just wrapped up. Something Succession just wrapped up. Barry just wrapped up. A handful of things that I was watching in some variety all kind of ended around the same time. And then I had a couple of weeks before Strange New Worlds just started. So in that couple week break in between having regular TV and having nothing, I've been watching, I guess binge would be Ted Lasso, I would say, is a good binge show. Lower Decks has been a rewatch continually. I rewatched Strange New Worlds over the last month and a half to prep for the new season, which just dropped. I don't know if you've seen the first episode yet. It was good. Now that Aaron's back at work and he's back in the office, too, so I can't even like put out a show in the background for him or something. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've been wanting to watch a show that like I could watch, but he wouldn't be upset that I was watching it without him. Yes. You know, (laughs) I I understand. Yeah, Ted Lasso might be one I'll pick up, too, because I don't know that he'll have any feelings towards that. But I've been watching Call the Midwife on Netflix. It's a British show, BBC. I feel like this is one that I've heard either Ben or his wife Glow talk about. 
Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about it and loved it. And I was like, I don't know, is this the best show for me to be watching in kind of a tenuous postpartum state? Like, <laughs> I feel like there's going to be bad things that happen. And there are, you know, it's about midwives in the 1950s in the East End of London. Mm-hmm. So in a poor area. And there's some tough stuff that happens, but I haven't felt like it was bad for my mental health yet. I feel like it's actually kind of comforting. So yeah. I'm there's a it, it's a long running British show. You know, they only do like maximum 10 episodes in a series usually yeah. on these things. There's like 12 series of oh, this wow. show. Okay. That's a lot, yeah. Over 100 episodes. That's so a I'm lot. like Yeah, I'm I'm making my way through that right now. Find myself dropping British words into conversations just because I've been absorbing too many of them. Oh, and I should probably, before we move on to the next question, real quick, shout out Breaking Bad for being a great show to watch seven episodes of. Check out Last Time On, my new podcast. (laughs) All right. Well, Laura, my next question for you. If -hmm. you could have dinner with one celebrity, who would it be and why? This is fun. It's very hard to pick just one. Yeah. I'm going to say... And this is totally silly that I would want to have dinner with Robert Picardo because I feel yeah. like he would be down to do some duets afterwards. And I would just be really delighted to get to duet with the doctor. Okay. So, yeah. That's my yeah. choice. Good call. <laughs> I recently started following Anson Mount on Instagram. Yeah. And when he's not making strange new worlds, he's been getting into pottery and making his own pottery and stuff. That's cute. And I would have loved to just like sit down with him, have him like wear a Star Trek t-shirt, have him expect something and then just ask him about his pottery and let him nerd out about that for like an hour over dinner. I feel Mm -hmm. like that would be a really fun experience. (laughs) I love that we both really want Trek people. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. That's all. Give us Trek. Okay. So rapid fire. Tell me, what is the one best kitchen tool that's making your life easier? I need my life to be easier. Immersion blender. They're so nice. Uh, They're so good for making sauces. Yeah. I'm using my electric kettle a lot because I'm having a lot of cups of tea with my snacks. I live off my electric kettle. (laughs) Yeah. I just need a cup of tea with my snacks right now. Just trying to maximize that comfort. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just absorbing too much call the midwife. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I, I definitely am using my electric kettle. All right. Well, we actually have Babylon 5 to talk about. Yeah. And like a big episode of Babylon 5 to talk about. Yeah. We've got season four, episode five, The Long Night. I actually had to Google this. Sorry to interrupt. But I was like, I could have sworn that it was The Long Night of Centauri Prime was the name that is but it's not so yeah that is a season five episode and i think it's like the very long night oh. of londo malari or something along those no, lines there, there's also a book that is the long night of centauri prime okay in the londo series the long night itself i believe this is the episode that ends with tennyson right am i remembering that properly i know that we get the tennyson again yeah, yeah. charge of the light brigade yeah it's a line from that so it's yeah. it's, it's another line from the poem that's quoted at the end but yeah, this is a big episode. So is the next one. They're kind of, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And I know we both watched both already. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry if we get anything mex- messed up. Our recording schedule is necessitating us to do this this time. But we start at B5. The fleet is gathering and it's almost time. 
for the big attack. We learn the Shadow Planet Killer is now also running around. They have a thing. We learn more about it later in the episode. But they have also escalated to open combat on Vorlon Allied Worlds. Yeah, we get a cool sequence of like the ships strafing some Vorlon outpost of some kind. Yep. So the shadows are attacking anyone who's allied with the Vorlons. The Vorlons are attacking anyone who's allied with the shadows, but they are still not attacking each other. Mm -hmm. Londo meets with a shadow council on Narn. We had talked about this last episode about more people wanting to be involved in the plot to kill Cartagia. Apparently there are some. Yeah. We get a recap of the entire Centauri Prime plot thus far. Cartagia must die and the shadow vessels must be removed in order to save Centauri Prime from the oncoming Vorlon planet killer. So at this point, it looks like we have two big death weapons, right? From the Vorlons, we have the Vorlons Death Star. Mm -hmm. And then we have the shadows like death cloud. Yes. Right. Which would you choose? If you have to be destroyed by something, do you want Death Star or Death Cloud? Well, we know how they both work. Yeah. So the Vorlon is a like giant beam that covers the planet and kills everything on it. That seems uh-huh. quick. The uh-huh. shadows surround a planet in nukes that burrow into the core and then explode, causing the planet right. to break apart. Uh-huh. That seems less quick. Yeah. And if I've got yeah, to choose a good point. between those two, like either option, like that's what I, those, <laughs> those are the choices. I'm probably <laughs> going to opt for the one that doesn't involve volcanoes and hunks of my planet floating in space as air slowly dissipates. Yeah. Mm. The air is going to get vaporized by the Death Star. Yeah. Whereas it's going to kind of break up. When you break up the atmosphere with the planet with the death cloud, right? Yeah, as the planet starts to drift apart in pieces in space. Yeah. Then, you know, air air's only around the planet because of gravity. You know, it's a whole mess. So Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I take that. Let's go nice and quick. Preferably. If I have to have to choose. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. After theme, Ivanova and Sheridan discuss the status of the fleet. Sheridan asks Ivanova to go look for more allies before the battle again. She is not optimistic, uh, but mm-hmm. Lorian is going to help this time. And he's like, no, he knows where they're all at. He'll he'll just take you there. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And presumably Lorian like, knows these guys, right? So yeah. he could probably talk to them, whereas they might not want to talk to Ivanova. Yeah. You showed up in a Vorlon-looking-ass ship. I'm not interested. I don't blame them. Yeah. (laughs) Ivanova has some big feels, though. Mm -hmm. She remembers that her mother, sort of, as she was fading away, wanted to spend some time with her, Mm -hmm. but then told her, like, go next door. I'll come get you later. Yeah. And uh, she went away. Yeah. She, uh... Big feels... She died by suicide at that time. So she doesn't really want Sheridan to go without her. Exactly. Yeah. In this circumstance. She needs to she needs him to not protect her and let her become the goddess of death she knows she can become. Yeah. 
this conversation has some real Ivanova gonna die vibes. Yeah. Like the way they send off and everything. This definitely felt like foreshadowing in a very interesting way because if this conversation had happened in a movie, Ivanova yeah. would be dead at the end of that movie. Yeah. But this is Babylon definitely. 5. So. Just put a pin in it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, over on Narn, Cartagena remarks how similar the sets are. <laughs> Good work, crew. Yeah. Cartagena tells Lando that he will be his high priest and the first in his temple, and he's not going to be on Centauri Prime when it blows up. Oh. <laughs> yeah, big reveal. Because it sure seemed heavily implied a couple episodes back that Cartagena was going to be there. Yes. Yeah, no, no. Now Cartagena's got to survive to be the living god. Instead of the eternal god or something. He can yeah. figure that bit out later. We've got a, a whole thing with a jester yes. in this scene. The jester's kind of like just mocking people, right? Mm -hmm. He's like standing behind them and doing the like mm -hmm. mocking faces and, and hand gestures and stuff. That doesn't play well with Cartagena eventually. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Everyone here freezes when Cartagena looks a little upset. And they're just like, oh, are we about to be liquefied? <laughs> Big vibe. Lando leaves to go check on Jakar. And uh, he's honestly not as upset about the whole losing an eye thing as I was expecting. Yeah. I would be more upset. <laughs> and you would think, okay, so we had that scene in the last episode where Cartage is telling Lando that he doesn't like the way Jakar is looking at him. Mm -hmm. And Lando just thoughtlessly says, well, you'll do something about it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, Londo's had visions of a one-eyed Jakar choking him True. to death. Yes. <laughs> Did he not see this maybe as a possibility? He seems very surprised, but he shouldn't be so surprised. I think Londo's just an asshole. Yeah. He's very self-absorbed, as we've discussed in alignments. Yeah. Londo lays down the plan, weakened the chains, bribed the guards, uh, Jakar makes a diversion so Lando's people can handle the rest. Lando reminds Jakar that a Centauri has to be the one to kill Cartagena. Otherwise, right. the Narn will be made to suffer even more. And that is a fate Lando cannot prevent. Yeah. Yeah. If they if they let Jakar kill Cartagena, then the wars are just going to keep on going. For forever. Just in perpetuity. Like, this is wise of yeah. Lando. Yes. This is actually pretty wise. In a, a rare moment of clarity, he understands how the universe works. Mm -hmm. After this, Cartagena kills his jester because humor is subjective to commercial. <laughs> a very good commercial break spot. <laughs> when we come back, Veer got a weapon because Londo knows that Veer will be allowed to just go do whatever because he's so <laughs> harmless. No one he's is going to watch him. He's just a teddy bear. Everybody's going to go, nah, I couldn't be Veer. Yeah, Veer's going to go get a weapon with poison on Narn. Yeah. Veer. So is this a Narn weapon or a Centauri weapon? It's, it seems Centauri, right? It's poison. Uh-huh. And it's very decorative. Uh-huh. I feel like most Narn weapons would probably be a little bit more utilitarian. Yes, practical. And a little less hidden. Yeah. But... The occupation and everything, I'm sure there's been so much intermingling at this point with some of this stuff that it could very well be a Narn weapon made to hide and kill a Centauri. 
Yeah. So it's <laughs> they're all too entangled now. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, they take the weapon out and discuss the instructions for use. Londo is worried the poison won't work fast enough. It's all fun until Veer makes a joke that Cartaja must kill Londo. <laughs> Look, I got to get these drops in while I can. <laughs> Jakar gets paraded around. By the way, this isn't specifically a Jesus, th- a Jesus thing. Uh, this yeah, was called but it sure out looks in like one. Ask J- JMS in the Usenet uh-huh. notes. Yeah. It is a Roman thing, and that just happens to be a very overlapping Venn diagram. Yeah, between the Centauri and the Romans, and, and yeah, and Jesus and Roman methods of execution. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't intended to be a Jesus thing. It's more Rome Centauri stuff. Just yeah. th- those happen to be inescapably linked in history and symbolism. I definitely, so. when I saw this, I don't know how familiar you are with the Messiah, but there's a portion of Handel's Messiah that's not often done because you see the Christmas portion all the time. People mm-hmm. do Christmas Messiah all the time, but they don't do Easter Messiah all the time. And there's a portion in the Easter Messiah that's his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And it's a very peppy little handle piece. <laughs> and so, like, as Jakar is coming out with this, you know, big yoke on and he's been beaten, that's what I'm hearing in my head is this peppy little, <laughs> his yoke is easy and his burden is light. <laughs> Cartagia tells Lando he had the weak chains replaced. He's like, oh, the chains looked weak. I had them replaced with this ultra strong material that no one could ever break. No worries. And then Jakar breaks those chains faster than cocaine and Mick Fleetwood's infidelity. Like he just rips through that shit. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't need to weaken his chains. He had this. Right. I thought that Jakar didn't even need to break those chains. To be honest, with that huge yoke, he could have just started spinning. Right. I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. It's it's a ridiculous <laughs> yoke. Yeah. Um, it is nigh a weapon onto itself. And Jakar mm-hmm. breaks those chains and uses it to take out a bunch of guards. And you're right. He probably didn't need the extra couple feet of reach. These guards look like fucking mooks. He just makes quick work of yeah. them. Yeah. Lando grabs Cartagia to the other room, who then disarms him for insolence before he has a chance to act. Yeah, whoops. Yep. Veer goes to check on him, sees Lando getting choked out, and then Veer uses the injector to finally kill Cartagia. Oh, Cartagia, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> Lando makes good on his word after this and builds a case for the Centauri to leave Narn forever. Like, two emperors have died because of these. We're, we're done here for forever, guys. We have to leave. Mm-hmm. Good call. Yeah. The court grants Londo the role of prime minister, and he will be in charge until a new emperor is chosen. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the worst place to be. Good luck. Yep. In the war room, Lanier gets shit on a few times. Uh, when the man who knocks, knocks. I'm assuming I got that reference right. Go listen to last time on. We haven't, that hasn't happened yet or it has and we missed it, but that that's a breaking bad thing, right? <laughs> the man who, I am the man who knocks. I'm the one who knocks Walter White. It's Brian Cranston. You're goddamn right. Yeah. 
big, big guest star. I mean, he I guess he wasn't super big yet at this he time. He was right? unknown at this point. Wow. He his show he was working on before this, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Nice. <laughs> um so this is pre-Malcolm in the middle. Yeah. This is pre-breaking bad. Yeah. Fun fact, if you didn't know, the character Billy in Power Rangers is named Billy Cranston after Brian Cranston, the actor. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So Lanier knows the next Voral on Target. It's a world with six billion people living on it. It is things are not good. And Sheridan's like, hey, I'm gonna call you back. Billy C. Londo gathers Veer, who is just drunk as fuck. He asks Londo how much more he needs to drink before he can't see himself in the mirror. Poor Veer. Poor Veer. I mean, yeah, he was, he took this really hard. It was objectively necessary. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, poor Veer. Yeah. Veer's got some real trauma from killing the Emperor. Stephen first nails this fucking scene. Mm-hmm. Londo regrets treating Veer poorly, but also regrets that he has now effectively taken away Veer's innocence. Yeah. Which is, I mean, you can just apologize for making him do something traumatic. Maybe instead of weirdly wording that innocence thing, like, that's that's a bizarre way of go- I don't know. Yeah. That felt weird to me, but yes, Lando does regret what he has done to Veer as a person, which is mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he should. <laughs> it's a bare fucking minimum. <laughs> yes. Yes. Lando drops the real talk, no cap. It's always gonna hurt, but it was necessary. Caring about doing something terrible means you still have a heart. Yeah. Small comfort. Yep. The Narn begin to celebrate the Centauri occupation ending, as Lando reminds us, much like Garibaldi last up, that this is not the end of the story and that there's more to happen. Yeah. Veer wonders what it was all for. Had Turin not died, likely they would be exactly where they are now, but with countless lives left alive and the shadows off of Centauri Prime. Yeah. Whoops. (laughs) If Lando hadn't started this whole plan, it would be exactly yeah. the same, except a ton of people would still be alive. It would be exactly the same, except a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the League of Non-Aligned Worlds reviews the footage of the Shadow Planet Killer. Delenn and Sheridan go over the plan. Phase one. Slow the Vorlon advance to give the fleet time to arrive at Coriana 6. Phase two. Engage the fleet at Coriana 6 with the first ones. Phase 3 or 0 or 1.5, they don't really say. Get the shadows there as well for to force a direct confrontation. Mm-hmm. Hal is given the files about a phony base to bait a shadow attack. Um, and Erickson knows what he has to do. He says farewell to Delenn and Ivanova. Listens in thinking it's weird he told her mac and cheese Ranger 1. So there was a lot of comments about the character of Erickson on the Usenets. Okay. Namely, it's just like, who the fuck is this guy? He's great. It sucks you killed him. And JMS never even says Brian Cranston's name. He only refers to him as Erickson's actor. (laughs) 
And he's all like, oh, yeah, he was great. Uh, he really did a great job of selling it. You know, great, great guy we got for that bit part. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yes, he is a great actor. <laughs> uh, the rest of the world got to know that in some other series. Yeah. yeah. Very soon they'd be aware. Over at Narn, Jakar's ready to put a boot in Jalorn. Jakar's like, look, I didn't overthrow a dictator to become one. Yeah, Jakar is very enlightened these days. Yeah. He's got that big uh, George Washington vibes. Mm-hmm. You know? At least, At least George Washington from Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. The, the idealized <laughs> version of George Washington that we like to think existed compared yes. to the real life one. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. Everyone who's been president was a piece of shit in some regard. Yeah, yeah. The Centauri are going to destroy themselves without us. We don't need to attack them. They're to be pitied, yeah. not hated. And then he gets questioned about how much he's suffered. Oh, man. <laughs> We're in a suffering contest here. Suffering measuring contest. Right. <laughs> Who's got the bigger suffering dick, Jorn or Jakar? And Jakar just laughs and walks away. That yeah. real big suffering dick energy. <laughs> Don't make that the episode. There's the title. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Our last one was literally We Ate Jesus. <laughs> People are going to think this podcast has gone off the rails based off these titles. I mean, but maybe it maybe has. It has. <laughs> Over in Sheridan's office, he listens to White Star 14's last log. The plan is set in motion. John and Delenn leave B5 to join the fleet at Coriana 6. We find Sinclair left a note for Sheridan on his desk with some Tennyson. And we get some Ulysses to credits. I have always been a fan of Charge of the Light Brigade, personally. Uh, Uh You know, but that's me. Yeah. So, how do you feel about this episode? I like this episode. Yeah. I mean, we're we're reaching the climax of the Shadow War, right? Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to give it a four and a half. Yeah. I I like everything about the whole Cartagia demise. Mhm. The only thing I wish is that we'd had more Cartagia. Like really how many episodes did we actually have him in? Not many. Yeah. I think he didn't. And that's disappointing for me. He didn't show up until the first episode of this season, right? He's not in season three at all. So five episodes of Cartagia. Yeah. I originally had four and a half written. And then I'm Mm -hmm. like, what would I possibly change in this episode? What's something I can say bad about this episode? And I couldn't think of a fucking thing. So I crossed it out and I wrote five. That's That's a good metric. Yeah. If you can't think of anything to change. What What is it, really? I couldn't think of a single thing I didn't like about it. Like, mm-hmm. not even like I could come up with a better idea. It's just like, there was nothing about this episode that didn't hit on all cylinders for me. It's a fantastic app. It gets a five out of five for me. Yeah, I I uh, just wish everything wasn't so rushed. I am feeling the speed at this point. The speed has not started yet. Actually. Yeah. Um, but it feels like it to it me. It feels like it for sure. Yeah. And in my last rewatch, I felt the same thing. But in reading Usenet notes, specifically for next episode, this was always the plan. 
Hmm. This ending here. The only thing was next episode would have been a two-parter instead of just a solo. And it kind okay. of felt like it was anyways, to be perfectly honest with this one. Maybe it would have been one of those three-parter things that he does sometimes around this point of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. But the plan was always to do what's happening next episode next week. So That's crazy to me. We may as That's well crazy. talk about it while we're right here because we got season four, episode six, Into the Fire. Ivanova and Lorien look for the first ones as Sheridan readies to meet the Shadows and the Vorlons. Lando decisively ends the Centauri's alliance with the Shadows. That's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. The Shadows and Vorlons finally clash with Sheridan's fleet trapped between them. Yeah, that's a big that's a big description. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to talking about that episode next week. But before we do, we of course must say thank you to Jeremy Siegel. Jeremy, thank you for our lovely theme music. We truly appreciate it. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysegal42.bandcamp.com and on Spotify as Nuclear Jaguar. He's hard at work on the June album right now for his album, A Month Challenge. So go mm-hmm. and give him a couple listens, support. It's good stuff. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Aaron, for editing our podcast and making sure it comes out on time. Really appreciate all the work you put into the podcast and saving me from having to do it (laughs) having been doing a bit of editing recently i can really testify i truly appreciate all the work you put in it's a ton of work it's not unnoticed Mm -hmm. thank you so much and thank you listener for tuning in and deciding to spend an hour with laura and i talking about a 90s sci-fi show we really appreciate it you can join our community on discord and we talk about all kinds of stuff on there people are talking about the trailer that just dropped for uh, road home on there right now And yeah, join our community. We'd love to have you there. We'll see you next week. And feel free to send us an email sometime. Oh, yeah, we have an email address. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? B5 at gmail.com. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Bye.